1: I'm just getting ready to record another episode of Start a Puzzle, which, by the way, is brought to you by FullScale.io. you oh, heard yeah. of those guys before?
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It's probably good because you own half the company. So with us today, we've got Katie Booty, who is with Lean Lab Education. She's the CEO and the founder. Is all this true, Katie? This is true. I like it. We're, we're accurate early in the day. <laughs> so we're going to talk a lot more about what you guys do throughout this. Now, for those of you listening, you know, I like it when you are interactive. So whether you're on your phone or a browser, go to leanlabeducation.org and then make a quick trip over to the gram and check them out at leanlabed. ED while you're there at Startup Hustle Podcast. So Katie, tell us a little bit about Lean Lab. What are you guys doing over there?
2: Yeah, we're an education innovation lab. So, what we do is we understand the market demands or the needs of our local classrooms and school districts. And then we find uh, entrepreneurs who are building new solutions, technologies, products that better prepare kids for the future. And we match make them and help the companies grow.
1: Inter- that's interesting. So, how long have you been doing this?
2: We are six years old.
1: Okay. I, that's uh, exactly how old Matt acts on Sundays. <laughs> so,
0: would you describe
1: yourself as sort
0: of a a reseller of different software products, almost? Or no,
2: we really are more of a research and development lab. So we pair them in real we pair these new technologists or new technologies entrepreneurs in real classrooms, and they kick off actually six month pilot studies. So we have a research team. We measure their impact, and we help entrepreneurs modify their solutions in real classrooms. And then help position them if they are proven effective. For so can you scale. give us an
0: example of one that you've done?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, one that's gaining a lot of traction around the metro area. is called Transportant. Um, it's solving a pain point uh, related to school buses. Yeah. So um, I, if you've ever been a school administrator or a teacher or a parent, one thing that's really challenging is you don't know when or where the bus, when the bus is coming or where it is. Transportant provides a hardware solution inside the bus that gives, um, Real-time directions to bus drivers so they can see where they're going, and get real-time updates on route changes. And it provides high definitions inside the camera so that administrators can see a dashboard and dial in to see exactly what's happening.
1: <laughs> I'm la- we're laughing because I have yet once again unplugged the startup <laughs> hustle sign.
0: Did you do it or did? Dude, do it? Dude, I
1: literally just moved the mouse and the thing. You know, because we're always we're always court? so prepared here in this studio. Um, you know, you mentioned transportant, so is it Alan Fairless or is that his name? Yeah, okay. Alan Fairless is the CTO. Yep. Yeah. So I met him. Uh, they are one of Kansas city's, uh, they were one of Casey's top 50 funded companies. Yes. Yeah. I, I met them at the, uh, um, at a Kansas city startup foundation event. Yeah. So, yeah. And I was talking to him about that and, uh, you know, you're talking about the, you look at some of these things. So, so when I was, I'm 44, when I was on the school bus, oh man. It needed some technology. We had no seatbelts, really no rules. Like this, my school bus was a lawless society that needed some kind of order. But Well, now it, recording video on them and stuff is a big deal. Well, I, I you know, and I got to say as a For parent of a three-year-old stuff, and a whatever. five-year-old, like I'm okay with that. Because, man, I think about like, God, this school bus was terrifying. But also make sure the uh, bus drivers are not mean
0: to the kids.
2: Right.
1: Probably a good idea. And then
0: also. I, mean, I, I know so, we used to sit in the back of the bus and throw like paper at the driver or something. Right?
1: <laughs> like I said, the, yeah. the school bus was a lawless society yeah. that, that really like it was. I mean, Lord of the Flies was pretty tame. Yeah. Compared to what it was like on the school bus. So, so that, that's
0: a great example of a local company um, that's doing some pretty cool stuff. So.
2: Yeah. Yeah. They've done. They've done. pretty. They left our program with $11 million in pre-committed sales. And then we're able to fundraise pretty well and uh, are growing their team and growing their impact throughout their region. So
0: would you describe what you do uh, sort of as like an incubator?
2: Yeah. Yep.
1: For educational related technology. Yep. Was, was healthy hip hop a lean Was that one of your products?
2: Yes, it was.
1: Oh, we're investors in that. We've okay. helped Roy. That's actually going to come out this month.
2: Oh, good! The new the new teacher. App.
1: Yeah, awesome. yeah, it's uh, the app and the platform, and it's got all kinds of cool content in it. And I was in our in full skills office in Cebu last month and went through the kind of we'll call ninety percent walkthrough. I love the videos of you doing all the dancing. Yeah, I mean, I'm a key I'm a key component of, of anything <laughs> involving <laughs> hip hop. <laughs> now, uh, you know what? And that's a good point. So, if you notice that we have a new intro here. That was me. Unbelievable! <laughs> we can't keep this light on in the studio. You'd think that we could find a piece of tape or something. So anyway, we build software and other technology that doesn't <laughs> fall apart. Uh, for those of you uh, wondering what we're laughing about, go to our YouTube channel and you can see all of our faces. Can't see the I, sign. Though. I know, but I can't keep this damn thing on. It keeps coming unplugged. <laughs> if I'm suddenly not in the conversation for like a minute and you hear some rattling, that's me tying wires into a knot. <laughs> So, all right. So, Katie, there have and and thank you for what you're doing. I think it's really cool. Um, anything, anything that innovates education and helps startups get what they want and does things to educate. Is it a nonprofit? Yes, it is a nonprofit. Okay. Now she's got she she mentioned earlier she's got some uh, she's got some powerful allies though. Oh, I heard a couple people that that you mentioned had added some funding that have a little bit of of name recognition.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've been fortunate this last year. Uh, do you want me to elaborate? Yeah, please. I mean, we can just leave <laughs> the... people hanging. I'm going to try to
1: s- tie the sign back into a knot. While you
2: do that. <laughs> um, we've been fortunate uh, for the last few years to have funding support from locally the Coffin Foundation. And then very recently, we've um, uh, got, received res- support from Mark Zuckerberg's foundation, the Chan Zuckerberg Initiative, as well as the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.
0: <laughs> That's really awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's a big deal. So the tell us a little more about how your program works. Does it work like an incubator where you have kind of like groups of companies that come through it and you do that a couple of times a year or what is the kind of structure of it?
2: Yeah, um, it used to run function almost identical to like a Techstars program where we had a cycle of mm-hmm. entrepreneurs that came in. We gave them some seed capital. We gave them a structured curriculum around business development and access to educators mm-hmm. um, and hope for the best. And uh, we found that wasn't moving things, that wasn't getting really valuable products that were proving impact for children into our local schools fast enough. Um, so that's where we modified our program now, where we have uh, we do a six month program where we match make entrepreneurs that are a little bit later stage in development into classrooms, and we actually study their impact.
1: Okay, I have an announcement. Yes, I have innovated a solution. <laughs> I found a plastic clip and I have tied the signs wiring back together if anybody needs help plugging in a wire you know the I funny know thing is is we don't even need this damn sign to record this I no know you can't see it on the youtube channel but you know i feel like when we come in it's and the it, when we take well it's that and and you know it's we're using <laughs> it's lean, messing up your mojo. We're using lean labs uh <laughs> colors you know and by the way go to leanlabeducation.org to go check out what they're doing included on their website will not be my classroom innovation from today so how did you get started doing this?
2: Yeah, uh, I was a teacher. So I taught middle school math in Kansas City Public Schools and was a founding teacher at a charter school um, and moved into administration and uh, was really frustrated and felt like we weren't seeing, we weren't getting kids prepared for the ever-changing reality of the future, specifically in my context, kids living in poverty, children of color. Mm-hmm. Um and a big reason I thought that was, was that the way in which we do education has just been woefully outdated. It was just, just too, behind.
0: too hard to get new innovations into the classroom.
2: They just didn't exist, one, um, ones that were truly transformational for learning, Um it, or and or they're too hard to get into the classroom, mm-hmm. too hard to implement.
0: What well, there's a lot of companies in Kansas City that sell software to education-related stuff, and the thing you hear over and over is the sell cycle is hard and dealing with the school districts and all that. What, why is stuff. that? And,
2: well, um, why why is it hard? Uh, you're dealing with a bureaucratic system with constrained resources. So schools aren't, you know, you always hear in the headlines they're not super well funded. But um, beyond that, they're really. They're like government agencies a little bit. They're really slow. They're on annual annual procurement cycles. Um, you have pretty much one budgeting window that happens between February and March to kind of get into the line item. Then once that's in, you're waiting a year to hope you have that opportunity again.
1: But, you know, with Healthy Hip Hop, the original business plan called for schools paying for stuff. And as I sat down, and we and we've we've put a significant amount of resources into that, and um, and when I was looking at it and the original business model, and we'll have Roy in to talk about that soon, but the original business model was having schools subscribe. And I was like, dude, no way. It'll be two years before you get anybody to write a check if you get anything. So we flipped it around and now it's more of a sponsored model where, you know, companies can sponsor the content and for X amount of dollars, you can bring it to so many different schools, which right. is so much easier Like and you know, the funny thing is you think about, well, gosh, gotta go find sponsors. I so I used to work in the in the musical instrument business and schools buy musical instruments, dude, the worst customers you will ever have. Now, when they buy, they oftentimes will like make massive purchases. But my God, you want to talk about redundancy. So I was doing some of this and I was in North Carolina, which is really, you know, known for its schools. Being sarcastic, but it was painful. It actually is. Is it now?
2: Uh, research Triangle has some of the high yeah, schools yeah, public do. schools. They the do. Nation, yeah.
1: And do you know the Research Triangle? That's uh, Raleigh, Durham, mm-hmm. and uh, is it Winston Salem? Do they include that in Chapel there? Chapel Hill. Chapel Hill. All right. So, and that's like where Duke and and some other stuff is, and they do a lot of it there. But the rest of the state, uh, but the 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 actual system of procurement was really, really. Um, it was just tough. Right. So, and then sometimes uh, because it was so tough to get people as a new vendor, if you were already an existing vendor, you'd actually reap a lot of benefits from that because the people that work there would, they're making bad decisions and they know it, but they just don't want to have to run another vendor through. So, and that, that jades the whole decision making process. It was really kind of, you look at it and you're like, oh man, I'd love to take your money, but she's Mm. like, big. It's like trying to sell to big
0: corporations yeah. too. Sometimes going through that vendor management process is such a disaster. Right. right.
2: And that's really what's informed this kind of new strategy of our work. Um, because of that. But the one thing is, is that once you're exactly right, once you are in, they're very loyal customers. They're very likely True. to renew. True. And that you can get large contracts. Yeah. And um, they're
1: they're sticky for the reasons that I mentioned too. But right. yeah, it's a it's a it's a long sales cycle. And if you're a startup and you're strapped for resources, that can that will starve you. Right. And it, it like right. really, really
0: quickly. So are there other programs like yours around the country or are you very unique for being in education?
2: We're very unique in the, and precisely because we do a lot of work in procurement. We do a lot of work in research and we do a lot of work with the district. So to try to mitigate that problem of, hey, if you, if we don't control for the rough sales cycles of schools our companies are gonna die on the vine. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're the only place in the country that has a network of pilot school sites. So we have nine pilot school systems that pre-commit to us that if we match make them with a company that's aligned to a need they've already identified Mm -hmm. that they will Engage in an explicit sales conversation once uh, once impact has been demonstrated post the pilot
0: process. So, do you have are some of those pilot schools here in Kansas City, or is it national?
2: Uh, we have um, eight that are in Kansas City, Missouri. One okay. that's in Kansas, and one region in Southwest Colorado.
0: Okay. So, does that sounds like most of the major uh, school districts here? Then,
2: well, we, we're a really fractured uh, city. So, I mean, just Kansas City, Missouri alone has thirty five different school districts, but um. So that's a whole nother conversation, (laughs) but we have, I'm sitting
1: here shaking my head because I'm like, oh my God, that sounds terrible.
2: But what we do have is a very representative um, sample size of school districts. So we have a rural district, Excelsior Springs. We have several charter schools. We have an urban district, Kansas city public schools. We have suburban districts, independence, blue Valley, um, as well as others that really mimic the more, the, it's a more generalizable mm-hmm. sample size of what the United States education landscape looks like
1: you, you mentioned Southwest Colorado where mm-hmm.
2: we're actually in the four corners region in San Juan Bosie's.
1: okay I used to live down there I lived in Durango for four years oh uh, really yeah, it was interesting you know, it's uh yeah there's some challenges to you if you cover the whole four corners like like New Mexico is, is known for having a painfully rough uh, public school system which has like something in it that exists this is crazy so the lottery, like scratch off lottery mm-hmm. tickets and the lottery. Um, all of the proceeds from that go to uh, help. If you graduate from high school in New Mexico, you can go to New Mexico state or, or New Mexico university for free, like literally for free. And in still only like 30% of kids graduate from high school there. And you literally have a free ride. It's wow. paid for by the scholar. Like the, it's, and that's like a, a, a thing. And it just blows my mind that that doesn't push more people through school. So there's I mean, hmm. definitely a lot of challenges with that. Um, now, today's episode that was published, which this will be a couple weeks from then, was related to developer shortages. And we have a pretty well-known and publicized uh, shortage of IT help. And that's part of what we do at Full Scale is trying to help companies deal with the now. Uh, But with that, I sat down and talked to our um, our engineering manager in our office in Cebu City and was talking about like why. So in the Philippines, there's an abundance of IT professionals and software developers. And we're trying to figure out why. And he basically just came down to the simple answer that the things that we're putting an emphasis on now, like how long has this the STEM push really been real here? Like five years? I'd say about five years. Probably sounds about right.
2: A little longer, but yeah, depending how you define STEM.
1: It's <laughs> everywhere now, though. Like when I go to my kids' preschool, they're like, our STEM lab. And like, I mean, I hadn't even heard of that, heard that, that phrase used for quite a while, but he basically told me they were doing that 30 years ago. Right. They were identifying kids that showed specific aptitude and like if it was science or technology, and they pushed them through into classes that were very specific for that. And they did that with a number of different things. Do you think that that's what we need to do here in the U.S.? To, and I know that you run a different kind of program, but, right. but with the technology that's coming out and the innovations, like, do you think that that's what we need to do to close up the talent shortage a little bit or...
2: God, I mean, this is a huge question because it goes back to, like, what is the purpose of education, right? Sure. Um, Do we want an industrialized model that's aligned to industry, um, knowing that industry is rapidly changing? True. Or do we want, you know, problem solvers that are capable of adapting to this ever-changing future? So, I mean, I think when we see, and there's a huge push right now, we're seeing it all over in ed tech with, you know, Coding schools and remote post secondary options, and just a lot of creative ways to try to fast track people into industry. Um, The Blue Valley Caps model being one that's being explored. There's a whole high school redesign initiative to try to get kids, give kids credits that are more aligned to our local industry needs. and I think that's one way to s- solve an immediate problem. I also wonder if it's short-sighted. If we, uh, if we don't do it well, will we rob children of opportunities to think larger and more critically about how they're solving immediate
1: I have some opinions that, that tick some people off about that because, yeah. well, I mean, and I just I'm, I consider myself to be a realist, and you know, we're trying to push people through stuff, and like, yeah, now you your new career in technology, but on day one, you're just another person with no experience, and 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 then you've got another five year cycle, and your replacement value is about is pretty low for people around the world, and I and you know when there was a lot of changes with manufacturing. You know, and people were, and we were building cars and other stuff. Well, a car had to ship on a freighter and go through customs and a whole lot of other stuff. You can ship code halfway around the world with the push of a button, True. and that changes the the effect of globalization. So, you know, I think that some of the things that you know companies like Fullscale have done, like Matt and Stackify, have created a really great model is having. Local tech leaders, and then be able to augment it with a distributed workforce, and it creates a budget for most companies that creates some flexibility, increases profitability, and also gives them the ability to hire things that we are that are pretty plentiful: sales, marketing, leadership, stuff like that. So yeah, we'll the, see.
0: The problem with the edu- with education this way is you're right of like. Okay, we want to push all these kids, you know, their junior and senior year to do nursing or veterinarian science or plumbing or <laughs> software development or whatever it is, right? But then if they get out, then they get out of that and they're like, oh, well, there's no jobs available or whatever, then that it's a supply and demand problem a little bit, right? Like all of a sudden the school feels like their responsibility for being more of a matchmaker, and all of a sudden, but they don't control both sides of it. So, It's it's always a little bit of a supply and demand thing, but
2: right. And and what are the the transferable skills, right? So I think it's fine to teach kids coding or to teach kids plumbing or whatever, as long as it's through the lens of what is the critical thinking that's necessary. What are the transferable skills you're learning? What is the metacognition you're developing that can be transferred to whatever context, whatever's going to come after this coding job or this development job, et cetera.
0: I definitely agree with you, and ultimately we need. Just smart people that are good problem solvers that have good common sense that could do most anything that they right. want to do.
1: The, you know but. the sa- the same those same skills um, transfer to to other things like carpentry and other stuff like that. That's problem solving and math. It's the same right. exact mm-hmm. thing as 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 building software or technology. I mean, some of the smartest problem solvers I've known were people that that, that literally build like homes and stuff like that. I'm like, wow. And if you've ever been around some of the some of those folks, the uh, the thing that's interesting is so many tricks with like carpentry and stuff like that. They're like you don't read them in a book, you don't learn them at a vocation school. They're weird little things that you know they're almost like handed down on the job site. Yeah, so there's there's like software development the same way, right? And you know if you talk to Terry Dunn over at uh, Je Dunn Construction, they have the exact same problem with like welders and just a lot of different stuff. So. But I think what's important to know is that all of our children will become Instagram stars, so it doesn't matter. That's true. Is that true? We have the same problem with college too,
0: right? The People choose to go to college and do all these degrees that there is no ROI in and they will never get a job from. And they rack up all the student debt and then they pick it to get the student debt. So they
1: don't have to pay for it anymore. We should start a college. That's like right another podcast. political problem. Yeah.
0: But anyway, <laughs> that's, Anyways, that's so a <laughs> huge problem we have. Right? Is people go to school for all this stuff and they rack up all this debt, but they don't even know what they're going to use the degree for. Right. And that's a a secondary education problem. But
1: that's it's, that's a why similar I, that's, kind of problem. that's why I dropped out of five colleges. Well,
2: well, but I think I mean this is a whole another debate. I mean, if you think about. Our industry leaders and CEOs and founders, many of them are products of liberal liberal arts institutions who didn't necessarily weren't in vocational colleges that fast-tracked them to careers. Um, I think the problem with universities is they're just more expensive than ever before. And we have a new economy that's rapidly evolving faster than ever before. So what do we do with that? Um, Is a much larger question. I mean, I'm I'm definitely (laughs) a
0: fan of anything that fast tracks people to a certain career. Like they know this is the journey they go down and there's an ROI in it. They know how to go from step a to B to C and they will get this job. Yeah. I, a, there's
1: a track. The, See, the, I'm not. I, the, the reality of that though, is when you're 18, you don't know what the hell you want to do. And I think that's the issue. I, well, mean, like, I, wanted, my, yeah. when I was eight. When I was 19 and I was in the university of Kansas, I thought I was going to be a sociologist. And then like six months later, I was like, dude, I'm never going to make any money doing this. And I, Totally. don't think i want to be a professor
2: i mean i have a degree in yeah. dance and creative thinking right i deal with i and now you're math, running, now you're running run entrepreneurship thank you right? yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah um but what i learned through that were transferable skills that allowed me to be a problem solver a critical thinker express myself no, no,
1: on the flip side of that though like dance and that kind of stuff like that that is routine it involves a lot of practice a lot of repetition and like for example i i uh I find a lot – that's why I think things like team sports are important for kids because, you know, like your kids are not going pro. Let's just be realistic. No. Like, I mean, maybe someone's is, but probably not, not mine. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, but the thing is, is they learn to work together. Uh, they learn to, to work as a team. And then also, like, the thing that drives me nuts is, you know, you see some of these – like coaching is different. Like coaching exists to get you ready for the real world. Like, you know, like so you got to be able to handle some criticism and, and be able to, to be taught how to do things better and deal with stuff like that. So anyway, so we don't get too far out there because we didn't we weren't supposed to have a political debate. We're not actually we didn't get political. We're more like sociological. Philosophical. Yeah, yeah philosophical. it's
0: just the cost of college and everything is crazy if you don't know. What you're going to do with it.
1: If you're interested in Matt Watson paying for your college, just send us a message through the Startup Hustle podcast on Instagram. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, we will unload the money gun yeah. to help you pay for your bills and you will be able to buy a, a, a third of a book. Yeah. So if I have educational technology, education, ed tech, that's so much easier to say. So if I'm an ed tech <laughs> entrepreneur, and i wanted to get involved with your program how do i do that
2: yeah um well we we tend to hang out at all the places nationally that ed tech entrepreneurs hang out so there's several conferences a year that we go and recruit at and what
1: what are a few of those uh
2: south by southwest edu so south Mm -hmm. by has a big education week um ASU GSV, which is, uh, ASU has a global venture, started um, as a conversation around how to support entrepreneurs and has now evolved to a global venture fund that backs education entrepreneurs broadly. Those are two big ones. Learn Launch, Boston area has an accelerator uh, around ed tech and several university partnerships and um, several ed tech funds out there. So those are the places we kind of hang out.
1: Uh, so, South by Southwest. That's in Austin, am yeah, I right? Yeah. So, does Austin have a big edtech scene that's come around? I mean, that or is I'm just think, curious if that's if, if that event being big there has had an effect on the local startup scene.
2: Good question. Austin has a, a great startup scene. I would right. say, period. And um, that's, that's
1: why I'm asking. I'm right. just curious if any of those people are gravitating towards edtech.
2: I mean, there aren't really any huge hubs of ed tech. It's interesting just because it's a pretty niche thing. Um, There are a few good ed tech companies in Austin, of course, because I think the talent and the resources that are there. Chicago, we see a lot of our companies come from Chicago. Um, Actually, Pittsburgh area, uh, Carnegie Mellon Mm -hmm. is there, which is a leader in learning science. Um, So we have some companies that come out of that hotbed. Boston, of course, with all the universities Um, New York has an accelerator as well attached to NYU. Uh, So kind of all over the place, but anywhere where you kind of see this magic combination of educators or a university that's doing this kind of research, technology, talent, and access to capital, you'll find some ed tech
1: companies. Matt, isn't it weird to hear that ed tech would be considered a niche? Yeah. I mean, that, but I mean, I, 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 on every vertical, everything's a niche. uh, But to think of it as a small one, I mean, it can't (laughs) be that small, can it?
2: No, I mean, I, I, we work specifically in K 12. So sometimes that feels smaller because people get scared away by sales type cycles or don't see it as investable. But it's not, you're right. I mean, every child goes to school, they're experiencing products every day.
0: But as an entrepreneur, you, you do look at that and you think about, there's got to be an easier way to make money than trying to sell the schools. Yeah, but and so I'm not going to try and do that.
1: But your TAM, your total addressable yeah. market's massive. I mean, yeah. technically, every everybody. I mean, I would like to think that everybody in the United States steps foot in school at some point. Yeah, and how to change that? So yeah, that's been interesting. And like the just kind of working with Roy at Healthy Hip Hop, and you know, he had a lot of struggles. A lot of different things. And we kind of narrowed the scope of what we were doing there and, and you know, tried to get good at a couple things. But that's addressing uh, physical education. Right. And just simple. And, you know, sometimes this, the solutions are, can be really simple, which really came down to piping in like a two minute video that in between class can get kids to get up and do something, just move around you know, like jump or put your arms up or step forward, step back. Yeah. And like these little things. And and I didn't even realize that some schools, they don't even have recess. Yeah. That was like my favorite part of the day. It still is. I feel
0: like for my fourth grader, it's becoming less and less every year. Like there's not much for of recess? It anymore. Yeah. Fourth grade now.
1: Huh. So all right. Um so, if you're listening, you can go to leanlabeducation.org. I'd, I'd go check it out and see what they're doing and go throw them a follow at leanlabed on Instagram. Now, as far as the over the six years that you've been doing this, what's something that, you know, all right, so here you are on, you mentioned you were a teacher and an administrator. hmm so now you're about to jump and then build wings mm-hmm. on some of this. What are what's an example of something that was drastically different or maybe even something that you failed at that you look back at and you're like, wow, how did I ever think that was gonna work?
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I think like I, I hope that every entrepreneur feels this at some point, but like you're so I mean like naive to a fault. Naive is an understatement, right? <laughs> um like almost insanely optimistic or I don't I don't even know what the right word is, but I mean I mean I cashed in my teacher retirement when I was 26 which was like I don't know like Two dollars. I mean, it's more than that, but it wasn't like my friends and family around wasn't like maybe some other tech entrepreneurs in other cities. Um,
1: Two bucks, all you need to get started. That's <laughs> it. That's all it takes.
2: Uh, so you know, I just had no idea how hard it would be. I also was starting a nonprofit, which I think is a different thing. I was starting a nonprofit and a, a kind of unique vertical. Um, in a place that, you know, I mentioned before, ed tech entrepreneurs typically are where, you know, R1 universities are, venture capitalists are, and technologists are. Kansas City doesn't exactly come to mind when you put those three things out there. Um, so, you know, you're dealing with a landscape that's difficult. I did. I had never been a founder before. My parents are social workers. I had no idea what the startup community even meant. Yet, ironically, I was trying to start an incubator. So, I mean, I, I think I just totally underestimated the amount of learning i would have to do um and and because of that there are like so many failures (laughs) i
1: mean that's that's everybody Uh, the the uh, i think that that's there's a consensus across all (laughs) entrepreneurs that have been on here i mean everyone's had a every time we ask them to say a failure a list of failure they always chuckle smile and it's like you just see this mental (laughs) register like scrolling through like a million miles an hour i mean that's just part of the game i mean that's uh, anybody that, that, that's going to do anything is going to fail a lot. Matt, what have you failed at recently? Because my answer is everything.
0: <laughs> oh, just trying to juggle 100 different tasks. That's, yeah. the, that's the struggle. Got a lot to do.
1: That struggle that's is crazy. real, brother. it's yeah, uh, Especially you talk about when you're in a leadership role at your startup or your business. And, you know, it's a lot of times it's your job to do anything and everything to fill whatever gap exists. I think I need a yeah. Trello board to manage my Trello board. Yeah. Top field. that's a problem where the, i'm, I'm going to get right on that but my algorithm my machine learning algorithm is learning to know when your trello board needs to be updated yeah <laughs> dude it's a problem even, yeah i think you'll get through it, them out i mean that's what uh that's what i to hear. so one of the things that you mentioned earlier katie was that you guys help organize a classroom or you know like is that is that still around like how do you do that as an entrepreneur or an incubator? Like what, where are you spotting the problems that need to be solved? Are you, or do you wait for the entrepreneurs to bring them forward?
2: No, we work the other way around. So I think unique to us, we actually have a full-time community organizer and um, we have a research team. Now we do an annual needs assessment. So we go out and talk to as many parents, students, teachers we can and define zip codes that are again, representative. We then, um, code that data and see what it, what are the consistent needs across the board that we're hearing. Um, and then we turn that into essentially a request for startups or like an RFP where we say, Hey, these are the discrete needs of our school Mm. communities. We're looking for startups that are addressing these needs. That's awesome.
1: Okay. First off smart, (laughs) <laughs> I mean, for real, because yeah. there's, you know, uh, Matt, how often have you talked to someone that's really smart and they're looking, they're either yeah. one, they're one pivot away from greatness or they are looking for an idea. But well, if, I mean, if if you're going to serve them up, why not? Well, and this is true of every big corporation too, right? Like
0: there's always things they want to do, wish they could do, need to do, but don't have time and resources to do.
1: Yeah, sure. That if they could find some entrepreneur to solve them for them, they'd be happy to work with. They might even have the resources, meaning some money. They just, it's not within their purview to like chase some of those things down. Mm -hmm. Can you share an example with us? Like, or even if from the past or something that, or, or even something that one of our listeners may be able to solve down the road, leave that up to you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, this year's cohort, we have, uh, 10 companies we're working with right now, um, and eight pilot studies that are happening, uh, one big problem that I think is relevant in this time and age is social emotional learning. So we, this is the concept that a lot of our kids have experienced a lot of trauma, especially our students that are living in, um, more violent zip codes. Uh, and I think we're in a time of more heightened anxiety. You know, children have to deal with the reality of school shootings of everything that are kind of hyper-connected, the downfall of our hyper-connected, uh, culture. And, um, and so we had a lot of schools that are, that are really struggling to provide social emotional supports for students. Counseling budgets are typically really slim. They might have, they might have one counselor per building. It's not unusual to share counselors across buildings. So we were looking for technologists that were creating solutions to lighten that load, to help educators feel equipped when kids are coming into classrooms, you know, Feeling their feelings and sometimes big ways. Uh, so we have one startup that's come, that we're working with right now from San Francisco. They actually came out of Y Combinator and they've created a dashboard that helps teachers identify and mark and essentially track their students' emotional well-being. And and then that that dashboard follows the students. So essentially, imagine like a heat map. You can see a heat map of your students as they enter your classroom before they get to you. That can tell you that you know, Johnny is having a really hard day. He had a prior intervention where he had a one-on-one conversation and he needs prioritized seating for the rest of the day or so-and-so needs to go see the counselor at 2 p.m. and had a traumatic event over the weekend. So give him some space. That's the kind, I mean, we're trying to figure out how to use technology to, well, they'll never solve like really human problems like dealing with trauma, but how can they give us earlier indicators that educators can be more effective? That's one example.
1: So I was just out at TechCrunch and I was talking to a – who knows, it might be the same company, but I was talking to someone about that. And it was um, – I don't know if – I can't remember if it was specifically for schools, but it was to help communicate some of that emotional data. So Matt, you and I would share this app and it would ask specific questions throughout the day, perhaps just a little touch button responses. Mm-hmm. But it would, it would say – your conflict ratio is high, like meaning <laughs> like there's some friction that might exist or there might, or, you know, here's the thing is any t- when uh, general rules of personality styles dictate that when anybody's under stress, their worst personality traits come out. And that's like what you were mentioning with like a student. So if they're under stress for any reason, for really any reason, and then your worst, the worst of you comes out. Right. Now, when you're six, you don't you are not mature enough to understand that. Like at 44, I have a hard time understanding that on some <laughs> days. But it's true, though. I mean, Matt, would you agree? They'll yeah. Like, and you know, sometimes, and and some of those aren't always outward. Some some people, when they're stressed, they shell up, and then it's hard to get them to communicate and do a lot of different stuff. So, I could see technology and that interconnectivity being able to do something. So, um. Slightly different subject. Now, there's a school here in Kansas City that's like all screens, isn't it? I think I read something about this and there were, it was kind of controversial.
2: Are you talking about the New York Times article about the summit learning platform that happened in Kansas?
1: Maybe I don't know. I I I thought there was a school here in Kansas City that was like, oh hey, we're all screens. Like Like, they
0: use no textbooks, no
1: books, nothing. Like everything is a screen. And so many people were like, I mean, like vehemently yelling about that. And then on the flip side of the coin, they literally had like the world's longest waiting list to get people in school. Now is that is that here in town? Is that
2: I don't know about. That there was a very controversial article in the New York Times several months back. I feel like it was
1: in Liberty or somewhere like that.
2: Liberty, um, Liberty has a school called Epic, which is a pilot school, which is an incredible school. The kids are not all on screens; they are. uh, It's a it's a really project based, experiential learning driven school. Um, So they're doing projects constantly. They're using technology to be creators. I literally was. And there is an insane waiting list for it. I think that's what it was.
1: Okay, Um, I think
2: so. Yeah, and it's it's a magical experience. I, I, the way. <laughs> I, I am I'm on the other
1: side of the coin. I do not limit screen time. Like I lim- I try to limit like my kids watching the Doodle Bops for like the seventh hour in the day. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. If you can capture someone's attention and and upload, what was that scene in the Matrix when he like uploads the internet? It's, I know kung fu. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we could do my that, my kids so. get a
0: little too much of Ryan's. And Ryan's toy time, and, yeah.
1: You know, good for Ryan though. If we're going to talk about startups and entrepreneurs, I read somewhere that kid makes like eleven million bucks a year. I wouldn't doubt it. Do you know who we're talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wow. I know. I know. So I, he's got a short runway. Hang though. on, let me make some True. notes. True. <laughs> Start kids YouTube channel. You know, what's crazy is they just are watching videos of kids, other kids play with toys. I'm Absolutely. like, why don't you play with your yeah. own toys? Like
2: the unboxing videos or other kids playing video games.
1: Yeah. My kids love it though. Yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what captures the My kid loves there. to watch other kids play Minecraft instead of him playing Minecraft. <sighs> right. I no, don't that, understand That drives it, me but crazy. But we're also in the world's most televised event is now the eSports championship. But they so. learn from it. He yeah. learns like how to do stuff in Minecraft that way. So I don't know. Yeah, I still can't. I have a Rubik's cube that I got when I was eight that I'm still trying to solve. I can give you directions for that one. <sighs> I think I'm just gonna just I'm gonna keep working we on. it. We can solve that one and mark it off your bucket list. I'm, we yeah. like you because yeah, I haven't been you. able to solve that thing. All right, so Katie, as we uh, and thanks for coming in. Yeah, this has been for uh, me. interesting. I appreciate you putting up with our philosophical questions and and getting (laughs) off track but i think that a lot of that stuff is is important when it comes to finding solutions as as entrepreneurs find pain points and find things that people if you can uh, fix a problem that people are passionate about it's a lot easier to get support and resources behind that as opposed to something no one cares about yeah absolutely so we have been ending our actually you know what we should play mixtape all right let's do it have you played mixtape before all right. So, game.com we will be playing this digital version. By the way, I tried it the other night. Super cool. Oh, I'm Just excited. getting some little bugs out, but yeah. Okay, so I've pulled a card from the mixtape deck. This is a scenario. Uh, right. I'm going to read it. We're all going to name a song that we find that we think is our answer, and then we will vote. You cannot vote for yourself. <laughs>
2: okay. Okay.
1: Now, this says if, but if you had an amazing voice, what song would you have sung to your spouse at your wedding? So, first off, I everyone knows I've got the voice of an angel. So, the mm. F is a little questionable there. But yeah. So, if you had an amazing voice, what song would you have sung to your spouse at your wedding? You cannot answer with any CeeLo Green songs, Matt. I got to go with uh, Whitney and I Will Always I Love You. I knew you were I mean, going to That's pick the that. obvious choice. No, that was, there. The I, I know. That was choice. mine. And you should have let her answer first. Oh, ladies' freshman.
2: Um, that was mine too. Oh man! I was gonna go Dolly Parton, but which is what the same song she wrote the song. Oh, she did? <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, she I, did. Thought that she I did. really thought that was the i I mean, Whitney took it, it to a whole new will... level. See that? Nailed it. So I'll buy us some time here, Katie. If you have an amazing <laughs> voice, what song would you have sung to your spouse at your wedding? Um, can I? Can I? Am I allowed to use me so horny again as an answer? (laughs) (laughs) That was, was, how did I not win that episode? By the way, that was, that was the card that said, what song (laughs) summed up your adolescence? Um, no, is that, can I not, we should exclude answers
0: once they, all right, I'll, I'll, I'm going to change mine. You can take mine. Okay. All right. I'm going to go with Ed Sheeran's
1: perfect. Okay. Oh,
2: that's very sweet. See, I'm unmarried, so I don't really know what it means. I mean, if there's a song that like articulates your need for space <laughs> mm. <laughs> in a powerful way. <laughs> that's...
1: I, I kind of want to give a smart-ass answer, like something that's like stop.
0: <laughs>
1: you know, so, well, I'm going to vote for Katie's transferred answer from you
0: <laughs> and
1: I am also going to abstain from voting because if Jill listens to this I will probably get in trouble for any answer that that I give
0: you're not even going to give an answer no I'm going to you're not me so out. horny anymore no
1: I'll go yes fine I'll go with me so horny <laughs> by two live crew, and I will not sing that with my voice of an angel
0: all right since I got to go with my original answer so I'm voting for
1: you all right so you great win. I win all right It was the next to worst (laughs) round of mixtape that we've ever played. The other one was when literally no one had an answer besides me. I won through forfeiture. I think Me So Horny was a close second, though, for sure. (sighs) Do you even have to have a good voice to sing that?
0: All right. So (laughs) as we round out the
1: episode, what we have been doing is we have created the Founders Freestyle which gives you the mic, it gives all of us the mic as we as we walk through this. Katie, you can say whatever you want here. Um, it can be advice to entrepreneurs. It can, you, you, it's you. You freestyle it. Go. I freestyle it? Yeah, is it's whatever you. I want to talk about? Yeah, whatever you want. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> so much freedom. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll share something I'm just thinking about. Um, we, we've grown our team quite a bit the last year. Uh, which is fun and hard. And I think something that's like something I'm just thinking a lot about when I'm talking to other start- startup founders is like, how do you manage a team through like crazy amounts of ambiguity? Where you're like, I don't know. We're we're growing. We're trying to do the stuff. This doesn't look like, like, how, it's really hard to manage teams in startup life.
0: It can be. And sometimes you just have to figure out what what are we trying to accomplish? It's like, we don't know how to do it, but this is the end goal.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And, and helping people feel okay Figure with it that. Out. I feel like making trans- – I have some really talented people that this is their first transition or go at startup life. Well, like I have
0: people on my team that have that personality where they're more pessimistic. Like they have a reason for everything not to work or not like, oh, we can't do this because of that. We can't do this because of this. And what about this? I'm like, I don't give a shit about any of that. We're going to create something and ship it. <laughs> but some people, they yeah. like they cannot get out of their own way. Yeah. They have a reason for everything to fail. And those are not startup people.
2: I I think that pessimists. I have a great team of optimists, but I think it's like realizing that, like, yeah, let's we've all normed on this really beautiful goal and realizing, oh, it takes a whole different level of hustle because like the pathway to get there is not defined. You're making it up. Yeah. And that's your job. You just
0: gotta kinda know the direction you're going. It may not work. And you have to just take one step at a time. Right. And you have no idea what the step is going to be afterwards, but they have to know, like, I take the first step and I learn from that and then I take the next one.
1: Right. You guys are it's like hard. an amazing rap duo there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Combi- yeah. Combining freestyles yeah. into one solid flow. Yeah. And now I'll close it out. Um, you know, I, I think that, that one of the things, and maybe you ask a question as part of a freestyle. I think that sometimes trying to lead a team in a startup is like trying to herd cats. You know, and, and I think the one thing that is important and that I always try to come back to is, is be brilliant on the basics. That's where everyone needs to start. Like if you're not, if you aren't doing the most basic things uh, when it comes to sales, marketing, execution, like you were talking about delivery, Matt, like ship something. Yeah. Like how are we going to get feedback or change anything if we never have Don't be scared to ship something because you're worried about what everybody's going to think. Yeah. Yeah. So put it out there see what people say, listen for the echoes. And when I say echoes, that means the same people saying the same thing. You hear, oh, this sucks. Or, this is annoying or whatever. And those are the things you need to work on next. So um, I think overall that, you know, the first I, it's, I, the first time I heard be brilliant on the basics was 25 years ago. And that stuck with me. I was like, I mean, anything, anybody whether you're an athlete, a musician, a writer, an entrepreneur, anything you do, like when you were studying dance, did you often go back to the basics? Always. Right. Yeah. Right. So if you can't be, if you're not brilliant on the basics, you have no business doing anything else. So speaking of which, I'm going to go to leanlabeducation.org. I'm going to learn more about some of these cohorts. If you have a startup that you're interested in, pushing forward that's related to ed tech. I want to fully encourage you to reach out to Katie Booty and uh, go to LeanEducation.org and learn more about what they're doing. See you next time.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit StartupHustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.